CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another edition of the original Off Course. I am your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me, I don't know, I had no idea I'd have this kind of privilege once again in such recent uh, <laughs> time frame is Mr. Josh Talgi, a.k.a. JT, uh, as well as Mr. Marnie Inez of uh, Team Titleist. Gentlemen, welcome in. Thank you, Dan. Great to see you. I, I do want to give a quick shout out to our favorite JB that I'm wearing a green shirt in his honor. He told me to to be branding the Hacker's Paradise, and so I've gone green today. Okay. Is that? I didn't get, I didn't get that memo. Sorry. Right. So I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a white shirt. <laughs> that JT, is that seafoam green? I, I hear it's like a Pantone thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First time guy with with Marnie joining the pod. He'll he'll wear green next time. Perfect. Well, I, I I've been making the joke that you're taking over the podcast at this point, JT. So everyone knows your story and where you've been and what you're doing. But Marnie, I'd I'd love just a small introduction. I I believe you've been with Titleist for quite a few years at this point. Yeah, it's been 13 years now, and total of 23 years, you know, in in the golf industry, and it's been quite the ride, you know, coming over here when. And there was essentially four irons products. You know, there was an MB, a CB, an AP1, and an AP2. And you know, since then we've gone to, you know, making concept irons, and and really the line blew up to a point where we had, I think, at one point like 11, 11 models in in the marketplace. And um, so it's really grown quite a bit, you know, from when I started. And it's just been fun to see how the brand has evolved, especially through the IONS products as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Glad to be able to share with you guys about the latest and greatest. Dan, I think one of the things that's unique about Marnie and, and very fun for your audience to know is that because Marnie heads up the IRONS development team, he really wants IRONS throughout the bag. This guy hates putting a head cover in his, in his, in his golf club. So I know it's always fun for the listeners to hear what's in the bag and, and we got to hear marty's okay sure. well be- before you get started i'd like you to know that i'm actually I'm, I'm creating a trend this year it's called fairway free in 2023 so mm. it sounds marty like you're you're on board for that there you go absolutely <laughs> so you what is it. in the bag so for me irons wise i have four through pitch i have our new t150 series and then in the top end i have a three iron in the t200 series which, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kid around with, with the Irons team a little bit, right? And saying that, like, hey, if you need to play a hybrid, th- that also means you need to design a better long iron, okay? So design a better long iron so that you don't need the hybrid. I love that. And we'll definitely get into that, too, because I did go through the fitting uh, and enjoyed a lot of benefits at the very top of my bag, which I'm super excited about. Uh, but we we do we are here to talk specifically about a new release you guys have uh, it's been under embargo and it is currently under embargo not uh, at the point of this show actually releasing so we can just free up and and go full bore I know it's been out there Josh and I've talked a little bit about it in the past but uh, yeah T100 T150 200 and 350 are, are we all excited are we getting pumped up oh yeah absolutely and we've just had uh lee hodges you know was our first win with the new products in the bag right so he has a new t100 series in his bag and he showed it off pretty well i think uh, with the win uh, at the 3m open yeah wire to wire he let in strokes gained 
not only strokes gained off the tee, but also strokes gained approach, yeah. which is, I think, probably the best measure when it comes down to how is your iron play. What we really love about Lee Hodges' win in Marnie is this idea that he's he's got the classic mixed bag approach. And, Dan, that's something you and I talked about uh, on a recent podcast that hopefully yeah. everybody tuned in to listen to. If not, should queue it up again. But um, it is something that, that we really focus on is the design and development of our irons is – to make sure that you are going to get the best performance and we really model that towards fitting so we've got those three d's that we shared before but it's consistent carry distance really tight dispersion and steep descent angle and then we use ball speed to help us really be able to work through the bag so we look for five mile hour ball speed gaps as you go from your seven iron to your six iron to your five iron to your four iron combined with those three d's and at some point someone's going to break and they're going to need a little bit of help for marnie that's at the three iron. For me, that's at the four iron. I can't quite remember, Dan, exactly what, what your split set was, but at some point you switched to a, to a different model as well. And that's what we see with every player. For Lee Hodges, that's at the six iron. So he does six, five, four, all in T100. And I thought Marnie, he was, he was one of the first guys we worked with at the Memorial. He absolutely was so blown away by the six iron. He joked with us that he wanted to only lay up to six iron distances. That's true. And see how much money he could make that week at the memorial. Um, but thankfully, this week at the 3M, he used, he used all the irons and, and led wire to wire, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, and he was genuinely excited to test for us. He was genuinely excited at the performance that he saw in the field, differences that he, that he felt in the new products that he just like, he put them in that week. Right. So, and I think, I think he tied for 12th that week. And then, uh, you know, now he ends up winning a few weeks later. So yeah, he's played cool. great. Tom Kim's the other guy who's played lights out since he switched. So Tom switched at the U.S. Open and finished top five. Shot a shot twenty nine on Saturday morning on his front nine, which is incredible, especially at that place. And then the next week he flew to Scottish Open, finished second, and then he finished second at the Open Championship. So another guy wow. who's really switched in in his golf and his golf ball. So it'll be exciting to watch Tom as we get into the playoffs next week. So sorry for throwing some tour stuff in there, but it's relevant. We were, I was on the phone with JJ Van Wiesenbeck, who heads up our PGA tour team earlier this morning. So those, those stories are fresh. Well, it's actually really exciting to hear that because we know tour has maybe not necessarily a say, but certainly uh, a deep level of impact on the results and quality of the, the products you're designing for them. Uh, I'd love to know just how much of an impact they have during the design process. What does that look like for them? Do you, do you get, very early on prototypes in their hand and say like what can we do to refine this or what do you like about this component and 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 at least for your touring pros what does it look like for them throughout the year well it's interesting because we're just at the point where we put the products out on tour right and really you know it starts it it, it a lot of a lot of the feedback that we want comes like now right so the products are being used by the tour players now how much feedback can we get from them to be used in the next generation line for 2025? And the thing is there is that um, the, uh, what did I want to say about that? That the feedback that we we get from them comes weekly. Like we have a, we have a weekly meeting with JJ, like every week I'm sitting in a room, in a room with him and we're talking about, you know, what the projects we have going, and he's giving us a little bit more feedback from the tour about what's going on um, with the products and what they can tell us about how it's performing for them and maybe anything that we're seeing early on that may be like, hey, you know, here's an opportunity 
for maybe to do something new in the next generation product. But really, yeah, they're, they're a very important part for us in that the testing and the feedback that, that we have access to, when you, when you have that, it gives you high confidence um, when you're able to get those things that they want, or if you're getting positive feedback from them, you have a lot of confidence going into a product release that, you know, um, that you wouldn't have otherwise. I think so one thing Dan, that's cool to see is that, as Marty mentioned, it's ongoing. And so his team is constantly sending JJ and crew stuff to just go mess around with that week, find some players, get this in front of them. Sometimes it's around shaping. Hey, do you like the way this looks? Sometimes it's around feel, you know, do you like how this feels going through the turf? Uh, sometimes around flight, are we getting the type of flight you're looking at? So it could be, we could be testing different types of grooves, you know, patterns. We could be obviously all the shapes, sole widths, CG placements. So it, it's, it's really neat. And, and it's something I think we, I think we hit on this last time that Cameron Young actually had a completely blank iron that we brought with to the Memorial. And so that's that's a really good example of when we're in prototype phase a lot of times we don't even have markings on there and so it's just like hey tell us we, we think this is what you were asking for now we've got it in real life so let's look at it let's hit it let's see what the numbers say and then we can make tweaks from that um and so it, it's every week we're doing some level of that informing us of where we're going for future iterations and those future iterations could be the next gen, they could be two generations away. And a lot of times too, what we learn is what doesn't work. Right. Absolutely. So I, I like that there is a connection there and I, I'm going to change that overall discussion a little bit into maybe not so much how much is it impacting the current set, but when they provide these types of feedback, like, hey, I'm really looking for this type of sound or this type of performance is you had mentioned uh, 2025, which I assume is the two-year cycle. Is that the, are the things they're taking away from this release now moving into that, you know, uh, what do you say, the uh, putting on the wall for future developments and this is something we really need to dial in? Is that, is that what that looks like? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it starts, it starts now, right, in terms of collecting the feedback, putting the ideas up, and really trying to, make especially the t100 150 200 products which are played out there in great numbers um really trying to make them even better for those players yeah and and sometimes dan it's hey we couldn't quite get to it all in our two-year product life cycle like there's there's sometimes where a really neat idea or a really good insight comes just too late for us to get it all the way in or or we can figure out a way to make it but we can't make twenty-five thousand of them we can make 10 and then you're like, shoot. But the good news for Marnie's team is then we just slide that right into this. Will, this can come later. So we have a couple things that, that I think we'll test in the next, you know, year to 18 months, potentially even on tour that will predate and kind of show where we're going with even the next irons line mm -hmm. um, that, that are really pretty interesting. So we had seen in the past things like uh, things like concept and TMB is a good example where you're really just testing the boundaries. It's it's definitely a different look, and and I know we're going way beyond just T series here, but I, I'd love to hear that that component of it is part of that just challenging the norm and challenging the potential and and all these components eventually coming into your full lineup. Absolutely. So you you are stretching you know the limits of design 
you're stretching the limits of the processes that you're using at your suppliers. And by doing that, you may even try and you may not have a supplier that can do what you're what you've designed, right? So you have to go and find somebody to try and make what it is you've designed. And by stretching everything in that way, right, we just we continuously learn. And those those things that we learn by doing that, we will then apply to you know the general line as well as best we can within the cost that we we are allowing ourselves there. Because the other nice thing about concept is that you know the gloves are off in terms of like hey just go and make something that outperforms or make something that is unique and different that we haven't seen before. So and for us in in engineering and R and D, that's so much fun, right? I mean to have uh, basically no constraints and go for it, especially even on the industrial design side, like we, we tell them also, you don't have any constraints. And then they create something that us on the engineering side go, whoa, how are we going to get that, you know, mill pattern in that spot? Or how are we going to get that finish on that surface? You know, that kind of thing. And it forces not just our own team, but our, our, our partners and suppliers to think outside, develop new, new ways of getting uh, innovations, right? Interesting. So then it comes down to the fact that T-Series is becoming a bit of a storied product. And there was AP of the of the past. Uh, it, it just seems like a continuous buildup of quality over the, the different releases. Does that become a... Does that become a challenge for you? Does it become, does, do you feel like you have momentum when you continuously build into that design? What, what does it feel like when you have great success with one lineup and you have to look two years down the road and say, not only do we have to exceed those expectations, but we have to impress in a different way as well? Right. Well, and that's where, where combination with, with Josh too, right? In terms of like us looking at the market and trying to find opportunities to do something new, right? In engineering, we always know the performance goals that we need to beat. Hey, can we make a long iron go farther? Can we make it go higher? Those are always going to be challenges that we have and to be able to do it for a greater range of golfers, right? And to create products that um, fit with a greater cross-section of, of the marketplace if we can. Um, so from that aspect, I think it's real easy for us to know what we need to do. Um, we set the bar pretty high for ourselves and we when we try to trump ourselves um, with each and every um, you know successive launch and it is a challenge but we know what we need to do and it's there's things that we know we have to be able to create like I said earlier that force us to find new processes new materials to get there and that's kind of the fun of it but also I think working for Titleist in particular so I've worked at you know now two golf companies that Titleist understands that it takes time and that they will not force our team to push a technology out too early if it's not ready, right? So, and I really respect that about our leadership and how we go about creating products. But no matter how many emails Talgy sends, right? You can't push it out early. I, I, I just walked out of the office. You got your your no what was it no no fairways in twenty three was your fairway free in twenty twenty three yeah I'm trying to do that nice. with with emails I'm I'm trying to do way less emails <laughs> uh, but what I what I was going to add to Marnie's uh, message there which I think he's spot on is all of what makes for me what makes each new iteration of a of a series like T series or or you know or a TSR our third in the in the Titleist Speed project 
series of, of drivers, everything is always based on real golfer insights and authentic golf insights. And that's what makes it cool is that we're, we've got real insights as of what, what do we want to do with T100? Hey, we need a new product like T150, another new product like T350. And how do we completely overhaul T200? All of it was based on a real insight versus, well, it's been two years, so let's just update the, the graphic and stamp a new number on there. Um, we never do that here at Titleist. It's always, how is this going to help? Who's the golfer we're trying to reach? And how will it help them play better golf? And I think that that's what makes Marnie's team enjoy so much what they do is that we're, we're feeding them these rich insights. So we're solving a problem. Because I think with the best engineers in the world, if you can give them a problem to solve, it engages their creativity and their scientific mind to, to do that in a way that brings to life these great products. So the first thing I look at when I see the new T-Series, and, and I think folks will be shocked at how close it can be done but if if you like i'm staring at my second screen right now looking at a top line version of 100 150 and 200 and and frankly you could flip them around and put them on the screen and i probably would have a hard time convincing you one is the other or (laughs) vice versa uh and and i'm i'm kind of going along What's You're that? selling yourself short, buddy. You are <laughs> you are a product guy. Well, you can nail these. I I have plenty of top line stories. If you've never met my father, it's a very emotional thing for him. But uh, the 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 point I'm trying to make is the willingness and uh, the effort you've made, or at least I'm assuming you've made, to allow golfers to blend at ease with with uh, with an understanding that you won't have a significantly different presentation at top line i think is a critical component of this story uh i'd love to know marnie exactly how much time was spent considering that piece of it especially in the first three uh irons in the line yeah i mean it started back with the previous generation as well but this one even more so right so the blade lengths between 100 150 and 200 are the same the offsets are also the same um and now the look amongst the three really ties them together in the bag as well. So I think all these things together, really, like you're saying, this top line view that you're talking about, uh, it's pretty seamless. And, you know, again, feedback from tour, those guys have mixed bags as well between 100, 150 and 200. And, you know, if it's, if it's good for them in terms of mixing that and having the address views that we have in those products, we have high confidence going into the market that this is not going to be a problem for our fitters and for the general consumers. So it was almost like you snuck some of those components in there. Like you really have to look at the cavity of the 150 to see that it's notably different than the 100, but it's, it's at a place where you're not playing golf, right? It's in the bag. It's when your friends are talking about it, but, and, and I, I was enjoying a conversation here with Rod cook in Ohio. uh, And he was showing me these things and he had to actually show me the difference because I'm just looking down, seeing 100, 150, I'm like, okay, there's a difference. I see the cavity line, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But th- that subtle carve out really surprised me when when it was pointed out because it's just that subtle difference that I think would have a deep impact on uh, where you're placing material as well as the success, uh, maybe a slightly weaker shot, like I hit a couple times. Right. But, uh, you know, that that to me is the 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 really impressive thing here. Right. And, and let me tell you a little story about that, like starting with T100S in that, you know, it was probably, you know, a second go around working with Josh, probably the first new line that we we'd put together together, you know, from start to finish. 
And it came down to having that muscle channel slot in there. And it's like, well, you have the choice of what do you want that to look like? And he said, just make it blend in with the rest of the cavity, like as if you, you, you don't even want, you don't even need to see it. Right. And I was like, okay, I, I, I like, I like that answer, right. Rather than let's make it bright red and put, you know, a bunch of facets on it so that everybody's looking at it and talking about it. Right. But we can talk about it here. Right. But there's a look to our products that, that I think the Titleist golfer really appreciates in terms of that, that fact that the technology is there, but it doesn't have to be in your face. I didn't realize that was the moment we became best friends. I love that. (laughs) I can go if you guys need some time. Uh, the, yeah, so you mentioned hidden technology. That was, uh, I think there's uh, something that's unique to Titleist is a dual tungsten. Yes, yes, definitely. So being able to use, you know, heel toe weighting, so dual tungsten weighting, and not only that, very high density tungsten, right? So this stuff is as heavy as a material as you can get besides using gold, platinum, or uranium, right? And those three materials really aren't very readily available. So we'll take the 18, you know, density uh, tungsten, right? So heaviest stuff we can use, you can pack a lot of weight into a very small space, which allows engineers to basically um, very precisely place uh, center of gravity and couple that with um, club head stability through high MOI. So because we can split that weight, you know, you can get very uh, stable club head um, through high MOI in combination with getting low CG and, and CG placement throughout the set where you need it. Marty, I think to put it in perspective, you know, a, a seven iron head weighs is what, 265? 260-ish, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in that range. You got 80 grams worth of tungsten, a couple of these big chunks in there, yep. right? So you're looking at, you know, about a third of the head mm-hmm. is, is the weight is coming just out of these little chunks of tungsten that we put way out there. I, I, I just think that that's, a nuance that we do um, that, that's that's pretty neat and that is giving us the capability. And, and Dan, one of the things that, that I think is really cool is that at every blade length we have, we're probably the most forgiving club that's out there because of the way we're using this tungsten. Right. Certainly. So the last time we talked uh, about a different product, Josh, you were, you were mentioning like space grade materials. I figure if you guys want to, yeah. Then a satellite or a, a rocket up, maybe dig out some meteorites, see if there's some new metals up there. I mean, we're here for it. I, I, I'd probably pay into a concept iron for that. So you, just future oh. ideas, okay? Yeah, sure. we put some crazy stuff in there. Uday, who is our uh, metallurgist, is constantly um, looking for for new ideas. And, and boy, that, that's a guy who's got, you know, A-plus curiosity um, to figure things out. And, and so I can promise you we'll always be pushing what's possible. But I think one of the things, just the idea of materials, one of the things, Marnie, that I've, that I've heard you have been asked before is, hey, do you just need to have really, really soft metals to make something feel soft? Yeah, no. And it is something I like to talk about just because there's so much talk about feel and talk about, you know, um, soft, you know, carbon steel forging and tying all that together, right? When really a big aspect of feel is structure and, and how you design a structure to create you know, vibration 
um, and sound, right? Like those are other two big portions to to feel. Um, material is not going to get you necessarily as as much of something to play with as an engineer as structure, right? And so, for us with this new T series line, you know, being able to understand and predict our structures and how the resulting uh, resonant frequencies, vibrations are coming out and coupling together to create an overall sound and impact um, are key, right? So that was a key goal for us uh, with this series to be able to focus on and, and further develop to get even more preferred feel in each of our products. So that was definitely on my list to talk about, because if you look at 200, if you look at 350, there's a lot more going on from a an internal design component like uh, this Max Impact technology that we've seen in the past. And now it's sort of hid behind uh, the, the outer piece on the back. Sorry, the enhanced muscle plate I'm reading specifically off a of chart. There you go. <laughs> but uh, there has to be a challenge there trying to uh, marry the sound of 150 to 200 to 350. That, that, that is that one of the biggest challenges in designing this type of iron? Yeah, especially in 200, 350, and 505, where you have a high COR platform, right? So high COR, you're trying to create some speed in the face. Typically, the, the face is going to create a different sound than, say, your T100, which is a uh, where you where you don't have high COR, um, and you know, that's something that coupled with our tungsten technology, right, where it's really important to have club head stability with a face technology in order to get the most out of that face technology. Because if your head is, is like, say, low MOI, you have this great face that can create ball speed at center. But on off center, if your head is, is low MOI and it rotates a lot at impact on the off center shot, then it's not returning as much energy into that face that you've designed, right? So by having that coupling of a face technology with the, the heel-toe tungsten that we, we use and the high MOIs that we generate in each product, we get the best uh, of both worlds, especially in that, that type of platform. Hmm. That's very interesting. One of the things I, I want to know, uh, <laughs> and it's a very loaded question, is that you look at you look at some of these irons that are designed for distance. I mean, the 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 name of the game on two hundred is the player's distance iron, and uh, one of the things I notice is you actually do have that max impact technology, so you're not eliminating everything behind the head and then creating that totally, uh, I guess, perimeter style weighting that uh, some of these hollow body concepts have. But then you look at uh, like a driver, for example, it's a completely hollow head, uh, sort of operating in a different condition. Why is that so different from uh, iron to driver? And why does it matter so much to have that max impact piece in these irons? Well, max impact, it serves two purposes, right? So it, it has a component of feel, right? So that that core element that we have in the middle of the head provides a level of, of damping as far as sound goes. Um, it also, with when it's coupled with the face, the core support bar is that structural, like we call it maybe a strut that goes from the top line down to the rear sole portion of the casting. That creates that component, it creates in that component a different frequency at which it resonates as well. So that's another piece of the feel as well, right? So Max Impact has a big uh, part to do with feel and also with it as an overall system coupled with the face 
and giving us the overall performance across the face, which you know we'll typically call forgiveness, right? Where those off-center hits are much closer to your center turf shot. Okay, that's incredible. I like that you don't have to read off a sheet like I do when you're answering these questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and and you know, it you live with these products for years and years and years. So I mean, it just uh, and plus I love talking about it. So. Yeah. So one of the things that Rod mentioned straight away when, when I got my early education on T-Series was you, you seem to have a lot of pride about the fact that each iron has a forged component to it. Some of them are all the, the entire body. Some of them are, are uh, face only, I believe. Right. I'm assuming that adds into that discussion about similar feel. Sure. Absolutely. Um, especially throughout a set like T200 or T300, right, where those face inserts, you're trying to keep, um, you're trying to keep a level of consistency in terms of feel throughout that set. So you have face insert technology throughout those sets from the four iron on down through the gap wedge. Um, it changed, they change a little bit in thickness, you know, variable thickness to give you different help with mass properties, also help with the performance you're trying to get out of that specific loft. Um, but overall, um, the forging, we like forging, especially in the face, because the face is a really uh, high stress component. When you forge it, it makes a, just a higher quality part. Rather than casting a face, you're going to get, you know, a level of what we call porosity, which are these little voids inside, you know, inside the material, which can lead to fracture, cracks, things like that. Um, so forging, it's, it's a really high quality way to make a face insert. It also allows you to do um, a little bit uh, with the um, the variable thickness nature of it, because you can you can forge you know the the different shapes into the back of the face that you need um, to give you that that forgiving face map across the entire face. Hey, Marnie, while you're talking about the faces, maybe it's a good time also to talk about what you what you did on the faces across all of these irons this time, which is unique to this version of T series. Yeah, so if we start with, say, let's start with the 200, 350, and the U505. So these are a forged L-face construction, right? When when I describe L-face, it's it's looking at it in cross-section. You have, you know, kind of the main planar section of the face, uh, top to bottom, and then it wraps around the leading edge onto the sole. So that's kind of, if you're looking at it in cross-section, that's what I'm referring to as the L, right? So that's what an L-face is. And what that does is that L face, by being able to have that higher strength material in the lower part of the face, in the thickness profile that we have it, it allows you to get a little bit more speed off the low low spots on the face, especially on the heel and toe as well. Um, so that again, adding a little bit of forgiveness there. The new thing in this versus the previous generation is what we're calling the dual taper. And so that's really, when you look at the face from the back now, the thickest area of that face is in the center and it tapers to a thinner uh, thickness at the heel and toe. And again, that's giving you a little bit more compliance off the heel and toe areas where you're trying to bring those distances up to match your, your center turf shot. And again, make the club overall give you that more consistent distance across the face, which is the whole point of iron play, right? If you wanna hit each club a specific distance every time. Marty, that was really well said. I was actually trying to tee you up for the groove discussion. Oh, that one. Okay. But also, oh. also part of the face. So yeah. great answer, but 
Um, but I think, Dan, one of the things that, that's really cool about this generation is Marnie and the Irons team sit right next to the Vokey team. And the amount of sharing that goes on about ideas, whether it's soul designs or, in this case, uh, grooves on the face, is, is really cool to see. Yeah, so let's talk about our faces for our irons for a second. So we used to, or we still do, we, we fly cut our faces flat, right? So that's basically taking this huge uh, end mills, what it's called, and, and it basically goes across the face of the iron and makes the face dead flat. Then you come in with a much smaller end mill and you mill the grooves in. After that, you will typically chrome plate the head and then blast the, the face, or blast the face, oh, sorry. You'll chrome plate the head and then, oh, let me back up, sorry. <laughs> we got, we got You were doing so well about not having any notes. Yeah, I know, we fly cut the face, we put the grooves in, but because the fly cut, the parameters that we have in our fly cut leave these sort of um, large-ish mill marks on the face that then had to be polished off. So polishing is typically a hand operation, right? It's not as consistent. And so anytime you're coming back with a polishing process on the face that you just milled dead flat and you put perfect grooves in it, now you're sort of creating a slight level of inconsistency there. And we asked ourselves, hey, can't we just get rid of that step somehow, right? And so by changing the parameters of the milling process, we now eliminate those, those, those mill marks that had to be polished off so that now when you put the grooves in, and then end up chrome plating and blasting the face. You never have to touch the face again. You have a perfectly flat face. You have perfectly uh, round edges to your grooves, and that leads to more consistent spin and again more consistent distance. So, is this a new concept, or is this uh, technology has gotten to the place where we can? Is that what what part of that conversation is here? Well, it's it's not necessarily new, but it is something that we improved, right? Because then mm. the process before was just that the fly cut was going at a certain speed and feed rate. And then, yeah, you can just polish those off. And generally it's pretty darn flat to where if you put, if you, if you were by eye trying to put a card across the face, most people would still say that's, that's flat, right? But for us, we know that anytime you have a polish, a polishing process, it's not going to be as perfect as it would be if you just cut it with the milling machine and then not touched it again, right? Okay. So it's just another level of quality for us. So that's interesting. Are, are there other components of the Vokey connection that, that play a role? One of the things I'm thinking a lot about is uh, just overall turf interaction. I mean, they, 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 are, they live or die by the ability to get through the turf in a way that works for each individual. Is that, is that a piece that's built into this as well? Sure. Um, and if you remember, we, we introduced a variable bounce sole in T100 in, in the last generation. And we started with looking at bulky pitching wedges and talking about, hey, what's the design philosophy behind the sole shapes there? And then kind of looking at and comparing it to what we did in irons, right? So through those conversations, we kind of drafted off some of what they were doing in bulky pitching wedges. And we ended up with what we're calling the variable bounce sole in the T100 and the 100S back then. Now we're carrying that over into 100, 150, also 200, 350, and 505 now, right? Because before it was only 100 and 100S. And now, so we have this variable bounce 
uh, sole design philosophy across all of our irons, um, which, you know, it again, continue to get the feedback from tour that this is just better going through the turf. They, they just like the way it feels. A lot of them describe it as faster through the turf, which just tells me it just has less resistance and is doing what it should be doing. That was one of the things I picked up very quickly is, and it may be just the way I was swinging that day or, you know, 10, 15, 20 swings and it just got easier. But when I made the jump from 100 to 150, I found it uh, a turf interaction that was so efficient for my swing. I was blown away by it. It it was almost at that point where I tried to get the guys to just say like, let's just hit these irons for the rest of the time. Obviously they said no, but I was so impressed by the ability for that iron to work with my swing to get through the turf efficiently, not heavy, uh, and, and perform just in a way that I was truly impressed by. So I guess my follow-up question to that is when it comes to the different styles of irons throughout the lineup, I, I assume being that the 100 is a more player driven iron, it's going to allow a little bit more of that turf aggressiveness. It cuts through a little bit more and then you move into the going closer to the 350. It, it sort of, creates a bit more of that ricochet approach where you know the folks that out there are struggling to get their bottom correct it's going to allow them to get through it uh, still as almost as efficient but uh certainly in a way that it would allow them to 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 hit a good shot or a decent shot yep you're you're right and and the kind of the progression you can really notice through width right so the as you go from 100 up to 350 that sole width is getting slightly wider each time. And with each of those, because the sole width is getting slightly wider, the bounce angles that we use across that variable bounce design, they, they, they go down slightly, right? So, cause if we want to get into a whole discussion about bounce and effective bounce, right? Width is one component of what we call bounce at Titleist, right? Most people know bounce, uh, bounce angle, right? A lot of times when people are talking about bounce, they're typically describing bounce angle. They're not talking about the that property of the golf club to kind of resist digging or help help the golfer out of the turf, right? Which is what I'm talking about right now. So by changing that width in the different designs as it gets wider, you're creating more effective bounce. So you don't need as much bounce angle, but we're still using that same variable bounce design across the sole. Again, just to give the the player the same similar sensation going through the turf. Hmm. That's that's a great answer. <laughs> it's 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 very interesting because I'm just trying to dissect my experiences based on uh, my fitting and then and then try and relate it to the rest of the set. But one of the things I keep circling back on is just how intensive the actual fitting component was and. And it seems like based on my conversation with Josh and uh, my discussions with Rod uh, up here in Ohio, it it seemed like there is a true defined effort to make fitting a big component of this release. Uh, We've seen it on the overheads. You mentioned it during the process. Uh, I guess I have two uh, two prong question to this. Number one, how much of that full bag fitting play what works goes into the develop development piece and then how reactionary will you be based on the way that that folks end up selecting for the next you know six months or so for hmm. 2025 well I, th- I think the first part starts with what we were chatting about earlier this was an authentic insight so it started with the best players in the world 
And when we look at touring professionals, about 80% of them are playing a mixed iron set. And then we look to see, okay, well, what's going on in the marketplace? And it was the exact opposite. It was only about 20% were playing a mixed iron set. And we thought, okay, well, if the players who are absolutely competing and trying to get better every single day are doing this, how come the rest of us aren't? And a lot of that had to do with the fact that maybe there wasn't good training out there or there wasn't good tools. It wasn't that fitters didn't want to do this. It's just that they needed maybe a little bit of help with that. And so we've we've really taken that on here to say, all right, we've we've got a lineup that is infinitely, as you said, Dan, very blendable, right? It looks like it's made to blend, not only from a from a loft progression, but from a visual ID standpoint of, of the products. And then really from a performance standpoint, if we take, and we've done this with several of our tour players, if we hand them four irons in their spec, 100, 150, 200, 350, 505, and have them hit it, the only thing that changes is that head. What we see is it's like them going up the ladder, if you will, a little bit more ball speed, a little bit higher launch, you know, a little bit more carry distance. And we see that time and time again when we normalize the other variables. So we've designed the irons to be able to do that for each and every player. Uh, and then I mentioned tools. So we've created, you know, starting, I think you're posting this on, on a medium embargo day. So starting today, you can go into any golf shop and they're going to have long iron tools to work with you on. And that goes back to that idea of we want to look for those five mile an hour of ball speed gaps combined with the three D's and figure out where, where are you deficient? Like, if, you know, everybody can hit a seven iron, but can you get the five iron there? Can you get the four iron there? And at some point you're going to need to make a change to either a different iron head size or maybe a utility iron or a hybrid or a high lofted fairway. And now we've actually got the tools in the marketplace from a Titleist fitting perspective to allow you to be able to do that. So any golf shop's going to have those. We, we, we love to say, hey, go see a Titleist fitter, visit Titleist.com, and you'll see where our fitters are as well. Um, but frankly, we don't have enough of them. We've got as many guys out there do as many events as they can. But most of the people who are watching and listening to this, they've got a local golf shop where they like to go. And those guys are going to have the right tools to help you get fit as well. Yeah. And that, that to me is, is huge, right? I mean, I have a little bit of a bias being kind of an irons guy, but when we were fitting everybody with seven irons primarily, although we have at our, our premier fitting centers, they have everything right. But but at your average Joe fitting place, they have the seven irons. And for that, for us to fit someone with the seven iron and say that, you know, the rest of your bag is right for you, you know, we have some confidence in, in having experience doing that and giving players the right stuff. However, you know, from, for, from my standpoint, it's like, well, I really wish they could experience a long iron because that's where the technology really shows itself off, right? You know, being able to hit a five iron or four iron up in the air um, and and as easily as you can with some of our products that needs to be experienced that's that's what i say right and i just was always wishing i wish somebody could just try it a long iron then they would know right rather than then just saying well i haven't hit a three iron in forever so you know just i'm just gonna play a hybrid right versus like hey if they could just hit the three iron you never know, maybe 20% of those people would prefer the iron, but without ever hitting it, well, how are they going to get confidence to even to pay $200 for it, right? 
there's this uh there's this mass exodus from irons over the last i guess more like 20 years but you know as the introduction of hybrids and and i was guilty of uh, obsessing over the 816s for for way too long stayed in the bag but uh yeah i i think uh the way things are designed now especially 505 is a nice example there's enough going on to support a golf swing in a way that you know you could see those benefits back from a hybrid or back from a Definitely back from a fairway wood based on everything I've experienced. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you hit, you, you sort of touched on it, but it's like, um, you know, the way irons are designed lofts that, that are out there these days. I mean, we are intentionally not the strongest product out there, right? Loft is your friend. And I, at times encourage people to play as much loft as you can stomach, right? Cause generally weaker loft, it's not going to go quite as far. But if you're playing the right tees and that amount of loft works for you at your golf course, great, play it. You know, it's going to be good for you. And I think at the same time, Arnie, the product we do have that is stronger lofted is engineered in a way where, you know, Dan, we, we read and we're, we're active on Hacker's Paradise. You know, loft jacking, we, we see it. We've, we've been accused of it. But I think, you know, and, and I love the, the guys who always type in like, oh, that, that's seven irons, my old five iron. Like, great. Go get your old five yeah. iron. Hit it against <laughs> this 29 degree seven iron. Let's see what product goes higher. Right. Let's see which product is more consistent from a dispersion and a steep angle of descent. Because I think we're going to win, even though it's going to be, you know, an inch shorter shaft at, at, at that loft. We're going to win because Marnie's team has done such a great job of giving us these playable trajectories. Because, again, those three Ds are really important to us. We, we joke all the time that. If you could, you should test all of your iron shots on an island green, right? Left bad, right bad, short bad, long bad. And if you hit the green and it rolls over, still bad, right? Yeah. So that's that's what we're trying to do is we don't want you to think about irons like you do your driver. This is not about total distance. This is about consistent hit your number each and every time distance. So you can you can pull Lee Hodges and uh, and go wire to wire and lead, lead a tour event with strokes gained approach that's where you're going to separate yourself uh with with the new t-series well marty if there's one component of the new t-series that people should pay attention to especially when they're going to get fit and experiencing it for themselves is there one story or one feature that you really love for them to understand well it's it's just how you know and again depending on your skill level but i've seen it enough with the best players in the world and high-level amateurs in terms of how their dispersion shrinks, right? I mean, we had another person come in and get fit the other day, another influencer who was just blown away by the difference in his gamers versus the clubs that we were fitting him into and how much smaller the ellipses were on screen. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, we were all just like kind of just happy and smiling, just going like, well, the, you're seeing it, so you know why wouldn't you put this set of irons in your bag, right? And um, you know that's built in, right? That's built into the product. Now, whether or not you have the skill to realize and see it the way he did, you know that might be tougher. But with a good fitter, I think more often than not, the players are going to see some of that for sure. Um, and again, if we have the long iron tools there, which we will. Um, just try one of those out, you know, try, try and iron one past what you have in your bag today and see how you can see how that flies for you, you know, and 
hey, you might actually find that you can hit a four iron. And, you know, is that something that you would prefer versus your hybrid? Because, you know, I always hear a lot of people who play hybrids, you know, they're 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 worried about side spin or, you know, hooking, hooking the ball. And yeah, there is a little bit of, of that versus an iron, you know, in terms of side spin from a product that has bulge and roll. So if you prefer an iron and now all of a sudden you find one that you can hit a little bit straighter, well, there you go. That's something I think uh, worth exploring. I would add to that, Dan, and just say, yeah, one of the phrases that we're really fond of is why guess when you could know? And I, I know that Marty's getting a bunch of these texts. I'm getting these texts from players being like, hey, which which iron should I go into? And I'm just like, well, I, I know your game okay, but I'm guessing. Right. We don't have to guess. Just go to a fitting. Find out firsthand. It's really fun. You'll enjoy your fitting. I promise you, you'll have a good time with it. You might be a little nervous at the beginning, but you're going to learn a ton about yourself, about your golf game, and you're going to leave there with sky-high confidence, and you're going to have the best product in your bag. And then the, the last one I would point out that, that I think is important is, again, go into that fitting with open-mindedness, like Marty just said. And the second thing is shaft is not the number one answer. The club head is the number one predictor of <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. In fact, like when we talk to JJ and, and our tour teams, they hardly ever switch shaft. They find, especially in irons, hey, you're used to this shaft. You know this shaft loads, how this feels. We don't need to look at that. The only time they really look at shaft is if something's happened to the player. Maybe they're coming off an injury or they've just really lost a lot of speed over time. Uh, or conversely, they've added a lot of speed. Maybe they're coming from a next gen, moving up into Corn Ferry, um, where their their body's still developing. But most of the time, shaft is is very late in the game if even touched at all. And I think that that's important. And I know, gosh, I know that's blasphemous for the, for, for the THP very detailed spec sheet. Um, but please go into this focused on what head models and we'll, we'll match up those shafts really well to, to pair with that. But that's the bigger deal. The heads are the bigger deal than, than the shaft. Yeah. And I'm, I'm prepared to take all arrows. Yeah. I know that that's is a controversial take. And to add on to that, you know, part of, part of, head fitting so getting the right model as well um it, as josh said is important even on top of that is uh, another aspect is just lie angle how many people have do i know that have not even explored lie angle as a portion of fitting to help their game right the best players in the world they're testing out a club and say it's going a little bit left for them and guess what jj might do for them you might just bump the lie angle down uh half a degree or something. And then all of a sudden they go back, hit the next five balls and it's right online. Great, done, right? But how many golfers struggle with left, right and don't have not even explored that, you know, to the degree that um, it might be the simplest thing in the world to help them straighten out the shot with the swing that they have. So one of the things I wanted to add in there being that I was able to go through the fitting process and experience T-Series uh, for myself is the 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 idea that people should bend until they break. And, and what I mean by that is don't be afraid to hit an iron to a certain point. Don't be afraid to try it because you are just at a fitting. You're not making any decisions. That's what we did to get me into 150 all the way up through the five iron uh, because I had already sort of established in my head while I play a six iron and a five iron that are a fair bit more forgiving and more built for distance than precision. 
Um, and what I found was using 150 through those irons, I was still getting the number I was looking for. And the gap was far too large between the two irons, just from an efficiency standpoint and a shaping perspective uh, that I was probably losing out on a little bit. And, and I own that absolutely in my game. There is a gap there. Uh, so when we went through that, I, I learned a lot about what would work for my game using T-Series. And we were able to tighten up that gap where it really mattered, which is, you know, inside 205 yards, which I would assume is what everyone's trying to get accurate at two, 200 or basically six iron or less. We're, we're trying to at least hit to certain slots. And then at that point, it's like, all right, let's just get a little further up there until we can get to get on the green. But the long story short, my, my thought for people is, I think it's fun to get fit. I think it's scary uh, for a lot of folks, but just go in there with an open mind and, uh, and and take advantage of every type of idea that's given you by your fitter. Based on what I experienced, their, their design this year is to get you in the correct iron, not just one of them, but as many as they can that suit your game. Is, is that Josh, is that a pretty solid takeaway from your fitting experience? Absolutely. The other one I would add is, it's always a good time to go get fit. We get a yes. lot of questions of, well, I'm working on my swing or I'm doing speed training or I, I haven't been playing a lot because this week, you know, it was family vacation. We had to do X, Y, Z. doesn't matter. It's always a good time to go get fit because your inherent traits are there, right? And the other great part about fitting, you can always go again. And, and to Marnie's point, right. some of the fittings we're gonna, are going to prove out like, hey, you're really dialed in here. All we want to change is a lie angle a little bit because you've changed your swing slightly. So we're just going to tweak this and everything is, is perfect. Right. So it's not like every time you go to a fitting, it turns into, you got to you know, buy a full bag of new golf clubs. Um, you know, we'd, we'd love it if you did, but, uh, <laughs> but this is, this is something that we want more and more players to go get fit, have fun doing it. And Oh, also your fitter has seen a worse swing than whatever you bring them. I yeah. guarantee you. So, and, and they're not judging you. They, they are there to help you get better. They are not there to make fun of you or make you feel guilty that you haven't been practicing as much as you'd like. Well, you know, and, and I, I've had people, you know, respond to me and I tell them to get fit. They're like, well, I, you know, I, I just play for fun. And I'm like, you know, what's really fun hitting <laughs> the ball in the direction you want to hit it and scoring better. That's a lot of fun. You know, so like, don't tell me you just play for fun. I'm like, you're yeah. spending money to play golf. And it's not, it's not like it's cheap any, that I know of that it's cheap to play golf. You're spending this money to have fun. And I said, when you're able to play better golf, it's more fun. And if you get fit, you're probably going to play better golf. Yeah. So It's also the easiest way to get better, right? Dan, you and I have talked about this before. Like getting fit is way easier than, you know, swearing off pizza and beer or doing yoga <laughs> or all these other things that, that you can do to try to get better. Getting fit is really pretty easy. You just go hit balls with a trained professional and, and it's really enjoyable. And, and the other thing too, that happens at all of our fittings, we'll also recommend which golf ball you should be playing because there's still so many golfers out there who are, who are confused or curious as to which is the right ball for them. And it's very easy for our fitters to take a look at your, your game and say, this is where you should be going. Stick with that product. And you're going to, again, play better golf. Make, now, it, fun, right? Make it fun, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Marty, I, I really appreciate you taking the time today to, to provide some insight on the design components of the irons. It's it's a very exciting release. And, and obviously, I'm looking forward to 2025 already, but uh, I can't wait to hear what people think of this this lineup. 
Yeah, us too. I mean, I, I can't wait to get them in pe more people's hands, right? Because everybody who's got them thus far has really enjoyed them, has really enjoyed what they they see in terms of both the look and the performance. So, um, yeah, it's exciting exciting days ahead. And if, if Dan, if people have more questions about the irons, Telus.com, we've got, you know, we have all the cool exploded view pictures of the irons. There's actually a video of Marnie describing each of the irons. Uh, he, does, he does an amazing job, of course. Um, but I think those are really helpful tools. Also, that's where you can go to find out where is there a fitting near you. Um, and so all that information we make readily available for everybody. And um, and we're excited. And then we've got, we've got eight lucky THPers who are going to join us in North Carolina next month. So we'll have a big event. Marnie's going to be there. I'm going to be there. And we've got some some lucky uh, contestants who are scheduling their fittings right now. They're going to get their new irons, and they're going to try them out uh, on course. And I can't wait for everybody to follow along with that. It's pretty exciting stuff. Hey, Josh, thank you again, buddy. It's always good to see you. Great to see you, Dan. Thank you for all the time. Thanks for for all the help. And uh, we, love, we love having a chance to always connect with the THPers. Such a vibrant community. I think definitely the community that feels – the most like a true community where where it's it's insular it's full of a lot of um a lot of positivity a lot of hey here's how we can get better here's what i'm working on hey that looks great that looks like so much fun i wish i could be there tell me about your scores and so that that's why we really enjoy spending time uh with this community and look forward to to seeing some more people here next month awesome well hey t-series irons they're uh they're dropping i suppose by the time this this will drop, they will have been released. So go check them out. Get yourself fit for them. We'll have a ton of content on THP, not to mention the homepage. I, I'm confident we'll have some information there, as well as threads on THP if you want to come talk about the product or ask any questions you might have. Yeah, other than that, go get fit, have fun, enjoy the game, and we'll see you next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.